it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook. See, I remember stories that when you, yeah. when you think about somebody, I thought about Ayako, yeah. and that was yeah. a story I had to tell about her. She she was a great champion and a great a great player. And like I said, during that LPGA championship, I was really kind of sad that she didn't beat me just because it would have gotten the press off her back, and, and they yeah. were really tough on her. Yep, that was your 1989 win, which was your third win of the LPGA. Um, Bruce, we talked about 1978 quite a bit nine wins, but look what she did the following year. Yeah, how about that? Eight more wins in the 79. So seven, that's a pretty good start, Nancy. 17 victories in the first two years on the LPGA Tour. I don't think too many people have that record, my girl. Well, I, um, you know, that second year I had to kind of motivate myself again because the press kept talk, talking about a sophomore slump. And that question came up like, you know, are you just a flash in the pan? You know, this, you're going to have a sophomore slump. And I was like, well, no, I, I don't think I'm a flash in the pan. I would like to win more. So I kind of had to do that to prove to the press that I wasn't a flash in the pan. And I you know, I kind of used that to motivate me when that question started coming out. And I was like, wow. So, you know, you, I was hit hard early. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to try and try and prove myself, I guess. But um, yeah, it was it was fun being able to do that. Win eight my second year, like I said, especially after all the uh, well, not all, but the little bit of criticism of you know, can I do it again? Yeah, and um, beating some some great folks. I mean, you run down the list. Uh, boy, you, you beat Hollis Stacy, you beat Donna Capone, you beat Hollis Stacy again. Mickey Wright, you mentioned that playoff at Coke. Uh, Pat Bradley, Sally Little, Kathy Whitworth, Sandra Post. I mean, come on, most all of Hall of Famers. Yeah. yeah they, they were all really great players and tough. And I knew, you know, on Sunday I had to play well to beat them. Um, you know, you just – it wasn't a walk in the park for sure. Um, and, 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 and I think sometimes they didn't give all the players as much credit as they deserved because they were all really great players. That there was pretty, pretty good depth on the LPGA tour at that time. And you really had to play well on that last day to be able to beat, beat the field. Um, mm. so, you know, that, that motivated me too. I wanted to play the best I could. Um, I think any, anybody that wins on the LPGA tour or PGA tour, they want to have their best competition. They they don't want to win a tournament with everybody falling flat on their face. They want to win it because they played their best golf and they played against some of the best. And yeah. and for me, that's the way I always felt when I was out there playing. Yeah. So after 17 wins in the first two years, you you kind of slowed down a little bit, but it was time to welcome Ashley into the world. Yeah. 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 Little Ashley was born and, and – um, I tell you, it was tough at the beginning because she had colic. And if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's yeah. where that baby just can't take any formula. It doesn't feel good. Her stomach was just a mess. So she's traveling with me on the LPJ tour and crying all night long. Um, I was up with her, even though I had a nanny. I just couldn't leave Ashley with the nanny while she was crying. I was up with her every night. I, I played some good golf during that time because I was half asleep. I mean, I'd be out there on the golf course and I was tired and I did. I mean, I was just so relaxed. I guess that's why I played pretty good, but it was hard because she was so sick, um, you know, during that, during that time of early in her life and traveling with me on the tour. Yeah. But, you know, starting in 1980, three wins and then 
three wins the following year, including winning the Colgate Diner Shore two years before it became a major. Uh, you won twice in 82, twice in 83 with Ashley coming along and, and only playing halftime. Playing halftime in 84 as well as a new mother with two wins. And then uh, 85, boom, five wins, five seconds, five thirds, multiple awards won. Uh, and that included your second major championship. So let's take us through that one, 1985. Uh, this was, uh, well, <laughs> another squeaker by eight over Alice Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was that? <laughs> that was the second one, 1985, uh, wire to wire. Oh, the LPGA championship you're talking yes, about? Yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, you know, when I led, I, I think I won a few tournaments leading wire to wire, which that was kind of a fun goal to set. Sure you know, is. Hard leading, to do. Be leading every day. Um, that was that was kind of cool, I thought, you know, if you could do that. And, of course, the press always brought it up. They were going to talk about that. Um, I think they tried to get in your head a little bit to try and, you know, see if they can <laughs> mess you up a little um, but yeah, I, I, winning wire to wire was fun. And of course, you know, I still always wanted to win that U S open and, and, and I wanted to, to, I wanted to, okay. When I go back to the U S open in Portland, if Allison Nicholas wouldn't have been there, uh, Kari Webb, I believe finished second to us. And I think she was like three shots behind. That's the way I always wanted to win a U.S. open being three shots ahead going into 18. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the walk. Yeah. Yeah. So thinking about LPGA championship and being that far ahead. Um, yeah, because I, I always thought and I always planned if I ever won the U.S. Open um, that I was going to finish my round, sign the scorecard, and I was going to have somebody or friends or whoever's there that, that, that usually friends would come to watch the play in U.S. Opens, that they were going to have to go buy a tent and we were going to pitch that tent at the 18th green, and we were going to order pizza and stay up all night long. <laughs> That's how I was going to celebrate a U.S. Open win, and I was always hoping I'd get to do that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't. But, well, um, but winning the LPJ Championship by that much was was exciting. I, I, I remember that now that you spurred my memory. Um, so leading wire to wire was something that was very satisfying for me. Yeah, let me days. ask you, if, I don't know where I picked this up uh, again, but uh, let me ask you if you remember this. Do you remember petting a brown bird on your car the day before the event started? I do. I do. Um, I walked out to the car to head over to the golf course. And, you know, the, the car is really, when you're standing up, it's just the, the top of it was just about eye level. And there was a little brown bird right there, right right when I was getting ready to open the door. I I opened the door. Didn't move, didn't budge. And I'm like, God, I think I can pet that bird. <laughs> and I, you know, kind of gradually went to pet it and I petted it. I pet this bird, this brown bird, just a little bird that was sitting on top of my car. And I said to myself, I'm going to win this tournament. <laughs> if that bird didn't fly away, I'm going to win this tournament. <laughs> oh my goodness! I was kind of superstitious too. I had I was superstitious in my golf career, <laughs> so that was a good one. So speaking of superstitions, then certain marker, certain number of tees, certain number of balls. Was there some of those things you just had those rituals? Oh yeah, I um I had favorite outfits that I played really good in, and when I didn't play good in it, I never wore it again. <laughs> um, I if I had breakfast 
and I played really good that day. I had the same thing the next day. Uh, I never picked up a tee that wasn't mine, that I knew wasn't mine. Oh. I never played with balls, numbers over four. I played one, two, three, and four. If somebody was playing poorly, um, I didn't walk in their footsteps. I would never follow them. I would never walk in the same path that they were in. And it happened. I was playing in Rochester, and there was one hole, number two. There was this little bitty bridge that was about this wide. And I knew this player was not playing good. And so I'm like, I've got to get over that bridge before she does, because I won't be able to go over that bridge if she goes over it before I do. <laughs> well, she beat me over the bridge. So she was walking down the middle of the bridge. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get there? Because I she was playing awful. There is no way I was going to walk in her footsteps. So I get to the bridge. And I put my feet apart like this. And I don't walk in her footsteps. I walk on the sides. And I walked across a bridge like this. And I didn't care if anybody noticed it. I was not going to walk in her footsteps. She was playing bad. (laughs) So I was very superstitious about things like that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I guess. So, Bruce, uh, we get to the following year. And uh, Aaron comes along. So you didn't play much, did you, Nancy? yeah, because she was born in um, March. And, well, March, was it March or April? No, March, because my husband's birthday is in April. And um, so that pretty much ate up. Now, let me tell you about getting pregnant. Let me see. Was she born? I'm I'm totally blanking out. She was born in March, I we'll believe. We'll have to edit so this out because otherwise she's going to get upset that you don't remember yeah, her birthday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. She won't, like, she won't like mom if I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um and I know her birthday, May. I knew it was May. I was going to say May, but I, I was losing it. <laughs> so right. anyway, I had Ashley in on November 7th, which is in the off season. I am in Seattle, Washington, and I'm, I have a, I've always had a bad thyroid since I had Ashley. And so I'm in Seattle and I'm feeling nauseous and, you know, lightheaded, which you feel when your thyroid is really off, you feel all these things. And they took me to the hospital because I was feeling really, really bad. They took me to the hospital and that's in like, let me see, like August. So anyway, her being born in June, that's nine months earlier. So um, we go to the hospital and they take my blood and they're checking me out. And the nurse comes in because I told her, I said, I think it's my thyroid. My medication's probably off. And she walks in and she says, Miss Lopez, it's not your thyroid. And I said, well, what is it? She goes, you're going to have a baby. And I was like, I can't, I can't <laughs> have a baby. Are you kidding? No, no, no. Oh, oh, June. I can't have a baby. That's in the middle of golf season. Are you kidding? And this nurse probably thought I was nuts. <laughs> I can't have a baby during golf. I had to have him during the off season. Yeah. <laughs> um, then I had Tori um, October 30th off season. Yeah. But Aaron yeah. messed me up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's what I remember about Aaron and having her. And of course now she's traveling with me on the tour. Ashley's traveling with me. Aaron's traveling with me. So I've got two babies, 15 pieces of luggage, um, a nanny and two rooms, um, two cars. 
a lot of organization because um, when I would get to the golf tournament, I made sure we had a refrigerator in the room so we could have milk and cereal and stuff like that for in the morning when they got up. I'd head off to the golf course and then my nanny would take them, you know, a little little excursions everywhere and um, just kept them busy. So they, like I said, they didn't have to sit in the hotel room. So that was pretty much now juggling two babies on tour and still no daycare at that time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, trying to play focus and, and compete. Um, I think you can only do that when you're young. Um, so I was able to accomplish that still with two babies on tour. We did pretty well. I mean, you won twice that first year back in 87. You won three times each in uh, 88 and 89, including uh, victory number three in the LPGA Championship, the one you mentioned over Ayako Akamoto. Uh, that was uh, shooting 14 under. You beat her by three shots, same venue. And uh, you were tied with nine to play, I think. Yeah, it was close. We we were we were competing head to head, and um, it's weird how I remember one shot. Can't remember the hole, but she was she was chipping and she chipped it in, which you know put a little bit more pressure on me at that time. And I think that was probably about the thirteenth hole, twelfth or thirteenth hole. And it's weird how I just remember that one shot um, of her playing um, or of us playing on that day. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pam and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about my albatross? Go ahead, Bruce. No, I was going to say to our listeners, you, you know, we talked about three uh, LPGA championships, and they were all at the Grizzly course that Nicholas built. Nancy won those three tournaments by 17 shots. Six, eight, and three. That's uh, that's loving a golf course, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I really did love it. it. Like I said, it suited my eye and, it, and, and the shape of my golf shot. And so it was just a good, um, good event for me. And that margin was with a two-stroke penalty, slow play penalty in one of those yeah, events as well. But, that's true. Uh, I mentioned you being tied with nine to play. I don't know if you remember this. You three putt ten to go two down and then birdied five of the last eight. Boy, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, come on home, Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you won the first LPGA held at this venue and you won the last LPGA event held at that mm. venue. That's, that's pretty, that's fun to think about that for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another thing. I When I won my first tournament um, in Sarasota, Florida, uh, that was in February of 78, won my first tournament there on the LPGA Tour. Bentry and, Classic. Yeah, the Bentry Classic. And then we we played there for a few years and then we left and we went somewhere else. And then we came back. 
to that same course. And I don't, and I don't think it was a bent tree classic then, but I won my 35th that got me into the LPGA Hall of Fame at the same course. I won my first and my 35th that got me into the LPGA Hall of Fame there in Sarasota, Florida. That's pretty cool. It was called the Sarasota Classic Okay. when you got back there to win it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 1990, uh, one win, but uh, Tori comes along. Well, when Tori came along, I was used to having babies on tour. (laughs) 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 But really then Ashley was, I think Ashley was starting school. And I had to leave her home and I left Aaron home too with our nanny and um, their dad and Tori traveled with me on tour and we had Smucker's daycare then. So I could bring Tori with me as a baby um, and uh, leave her at the Smucker's daycare, which Smucker's has been um, the daycare sponsor for a long, long time now. And, Thank goodness for them because we had daycare where we had the same people uh, every week, the same setup, um, you know, and of course all the kids had moms that played golf. So there was really, there's a stability there that was good. And to be able to, to, to let Tori go and, and experience that was good for me because I could still play on tour and yet, let Ashley have kind of a normal life and go to school with her friends and be in school um, because I didn't want to teach them on the road. I wanted them to have a life that was kind of normal because they had a mom and a dad that were were professional athletes. And so they weren't really normal. They didn't have a normal life, a lot of mm-hmm. traveling, um, you know, a lot of people coming at their mom and dad for autographs and things like that. So I tried to, to do that for them when they were growing up because I didn't, I did not, not want to have children. I wanted to have children and try and juggle all these careers and their lives, um, which was very important to me. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, uh, you still get a win in 90, you get a win in 91, you get a couple of wins in 92, one in 93. So what was going on? Now you've got three children you're well into your career, obviously, quite accomplished. I mean, you've won just about everything there is to win except the U.S. Open. Uh, so what What was the mindset then? You know, it was – it came down to eventually my career was – I was going to have to shut down because I, I needed to be home with my kids before they went off to college. Um, you know, juggling their lives and, and my life and being away from them was really hard because I, I – I probably would have played more tournaments, but I two were the most I would play if I had to leave the kids at home. I, I would I would play two and then go home. And um, so I, I I tell this story because I I remember it to be um, when I realized that maybe it was time for me to go home. Um, when you when you play golf, you focus, and you I don't think you can teach focus. I think it just it's in you. And um, I was always real focused. I didn't hear people. I didn't hear cameras. I didn't hear anything. But I was in Portland, Oregon, and I was on the ninth green. um, And I had about a 30-footer. I'd hit my second shot to the back of the green. It wasn't a real tough putt. But I'm standing over this putt and, you know, focused. I'm looking at the line. I'm coming back. I'm focused. And all of a sudden, I hear a pot of 
porta potty door slam. Bang, just like that. And I'm standing over this putt. I'm like, darn, I just heard a porta potty door slam. <laughs> I've never heard a porta potty door slam. And I and I'm standing over this putt this whole time thinking these things. I'm like, wow. I said, I'm not focused. I mean, I'm saying this to myself as I'm standing yeah. over this putt. Maybe it's time for me to go. So here's a porta potty door slamming, making me think about all, you know, I'm not focused. Yeah. You know, maybe I need to go home. And I, I ended up two putting, but that's a moment I realized that I wasn't nervous anymore. I wasn't focused anymore. And that's pretty much when I decided that I needed to go home. And, um, and, and of course it was hard when I, I had my farewell tour Everybody wanted to say goodbye to every place that I went to. And it was an emotional time. I mean, I, I just, I, as I think any professional athlete, when they step away from something they've done for so many years and love, how hard it was to say goodbye to all those fans and the, and the adoration that you felt when you walked up to 18. Um, it was really, really tough. And it was so much fun, too, because there were so many people that were so, I mean, every place I went, it just, I just felt so awesome, but sad. Um, and I remember one place, it was in Alabama, um, one of the Robert Trent Jones courses that we played. Um, I'm walking up to 18. Of course, I've got tears in my eyes because I knew it was my last time, last time walking up that 18th, uh, to that 18th green. And the, their crowds were huge. And, I walked up, everybody in the stands, I'm walking up there, and all of a sudden, you know those those sticks with a face on them? Yeah. That yeah, people yeah. put up to their face? Well, everybody put their stick up, and it was my face. face. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. It was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. But it was really so cool uh, for them to say goodbye to me like that, and um so it was really, really sad to say goodbye to my career on the LPJ tour because it was my life. Yeah, <laughs> I it loved it. Yeah, it was special. That's right. Yep, yep. You, you got one more year uh, win in your your final LPJ win was the nineteen ninety seven Chick fil A Charity Championship, hosted yeah. by Nancy Lopez. <laughs> I um I won that tournament because the last day it was rained out. But the way I won it, um, I hit a shot in on a par five, third shot, I eagled it. But the, on that day, I told my caddy, I said, I'm just telling you, we need to be leading after this day because the weather looks terrible tomorrow. Mm. And I was one shot in the lead when we finished that round. And I won that tournament with with a with a three in a three day four day event, but it became a three day event, yeah. and that's how I won that that my last tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to take a minute and brag a little bit on both of you, if you don't mind. I'm going to talk now about major championship performance. Okay, and so Nancy, I'm going to start with you. Nancy Lopez played in 86 majors, made the cut in 66. That's a pretty good percentage at 77%. Top 10's 25, which represents almost 30% of the majors she played in. But listen to this one. Let's just look at the majors that Nancy Lopez played in up through age 40, her first 20 years on tour. 
she played in 64 majors, missed four cuts. That's 94%. Her top 10s, 39% of the majors played in the first 20 years on tour, 39% top 10. Pretty in good. those in those sixty four majors, pretty incredible. So now yeah. I'll, I'll brag on I'll brag on my podcast partner a little bit, Nancy. Okay. I went back and looked at the records of all non major all non Hall of Famers that have ever played the game, right? Living, who are age eligible for the Hall of Fame, that being forty five years of age. And I said, I want to see everybody that won at least eight times on tour, or won at least ten times on the European tour, or won at least one major championship, and I wanted to look at their record. If I look at the major performance for those 84 players, and I look at percent cuts made in majors and percent top tens of of majors played, three Aussies lead the pack of those 84 players. Graham Marsh, Bruce Crampton, yours truly, Bruce Devlin. Mm, that's amazing, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you guys, awesome. you guys knew how to turn it on when it came to the majors. Now, Nancy, you had uh, your best finish in the in what was the Kraft Nabisco, I guess, Dinah Shore was a T three to Nancy Bowen in nineteen ninety five. You had three wins in the LPGA. Obviously, we talked about the U.S. Open with four seconds uh, over a span of eighteen years, and then the Du Maurier. You had a chance to play a few of those, and uh, and uh, I know you had three. Three top fives. I think your closest was a T. Uh, well, there was three seconds actually in the Demorier. So, could have been a bunch of majors, couldn't it? Yeah, could have been. <laughs> close, close. So, Nancy, you have you 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 sort of break the rule a little bit today too. When we look at your record uh, of of all the great players that we've interviewed on for the good of the game, most of them, believe it or not have a minus record when it comes to playoffs. Nancy Lopez is positive. Eight playoff wins and seven playoff losses. So you're on the positive side, which doesn't happen very much. (laughs) God, it's funny how you don't remember that. (laughs) No, no, I know. Yeah, but it has been amazing to see that, you know, here we are interviewing all these great players and – I think collectively it's a sub 500 record in playoffs, which just shows you what yeah. a crapshoot playoffs can be, right? Yeah, sure does. Yeah. There's some some career, Nancy. It's uh, quite remarkable what you've been able to achieve. And I know Mike was going to say something. Well, there's just so many achievements, Nancy. And and uh, I guess when I'm done listing a cup, a few of these. Uh, We'll let you tell us which sort of which accolade you're most proud of and which playing accomplishment you're most proud of. But uh, I, I, we don't have time to read them all. We'd be here all day. But uh, World Golf Hall of Fame inductee in 1987, won the USGA Bob Jones Award in 1998. You won the Tom Old Tom Morris Award in 2000, the Francis Wamet Award, which was given for lifelong contributions to golf in 2004. Uh, the list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, philanthropy, of course, with your uh, with your hospice golf classic that you did at Double Gate, and and uh, uh, you know benefiting AIM, benefiting Boys and Girls Club, benefiting First Tee, just so much there. I guess in terms of accolades, what are you most proud of? I tell you that 
a lot of those awards were special to me. The um, Bob Jones Award was very special to me. Um, I think because of what they stand for, um, you know, your contribution to golf, um, what you meant to the to golf. Um, the Tom Old Tom Morris Award was a special award for me. Um, you know, I I think whenever I got an award, I really took it to heart because. Um, as a professional golfer, I think, you know, I always said to to anyone, I said, you know, I, being a great golfer is great, but the way people remember you is better. Um, you know, what your accomplishments were, what you gave back, how you comported yourself, all those things were really more important to me than winning trophies. And, um, and so when I got awards like that, you know, that they, they meant something to me because, um, it wasn't just about my golf game. It was about the way I was as a person. And so, you know, every, like I said, every award that I won, and I I'm, I can't remember some of them, uh, which I hate to say that, but um, I just appreciated that that I was acknowledged that way uh, because that, that would probably be what my goal would, my goal would be to be remembered as um, not just a golfer, but as that person that gave back Um so I think th those things are important to me. Bruce, we normally wind it down with a few special questions for our guest. Yeah, Nancy sort of touched on a couple of them there. And, and you know, we always go, we always use a number 20. We say, if you started back in your career when you were 20 years old and know what you know now, what would you have done differently? With my career, if you knew at age twenty what you know now, what would you have done? What would you have done differently? Uh, wow. Um, I probably well. I I will say, and I don't know if this is the, the right answer or wrong. I'm not sure. There's no I, right I, or wrong. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have gotten married on my twenty first birthday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got married the first time on my 21st birthday. And that was, even though he was a wonderful man, that's just not supposed to happen. You know, you're 21. You have no clue about life yet. And um, I think that you need to wait. <laughs> um, so that that's probably one thing I would have changed. I would have waited uh, a little bit longer okay. before I got married the first time. All right. Question number two, you get one career mulligan. Where do you take it? I want that putt back on number 17 at the U.S. Open in Portland that I, I needed to make to, to uh, at there least have a chance to win that one. I, I that Leaving that putt short just killed me. It was awful. Yeah. Well, then, and the last one, Nancy, is all, and you sort of touched on it just prior to asking these three questions. How would you like Nancy Lopez to be remembered? I really want people to remember me not just as a as a, a champion golfer on the LPG tour, but um, I want them to to remember me as um, uh, for being a good person, um, for being um, uh, a giving person. Um, to um, remember me as um, a kind person, and. Um, and to always just remember me to, that I was, um, I gave back to golf um, more than anything. I, that's that that means more to me than than winning. 
Bruce, we always uh, hope that we're doing the stories of these great players justice, but it's sure been a delight for me. I know it has been for you as well. Yeah, thank you, Nancy. So, so you, you, you are giving and you have made a wonderful contribution to the game of golf. And Mike and I thank you for joining us today. And uh, Godspeed. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks, Mike. Y'all take care of yourselves too, okay? Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway Then it started to slice just a smidge off line It headed for two, but it bounced off nine My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay Yes, it went straight down the middle Quiet